1: We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey.
0: Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are chatting with one of TV's most celebrated showrunners, Marty Noxon.
2: So exciting. So excited. Marty
1: is a force in our business, known for her sharp voice, social commentary, and darkly funny writing, all of which is tied together by a knack for
0: complicated and richly drawn female characters. Yay. woo <laughs> Uh, she's worked on everything from beloved genre projects like Buffy to creating prestige crime dramas like Sharp Objects and award-winning shows like Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce and Unreal. She's also directed with her film To the Bone. Uh, she's here today to help us get a full and detailed look at the current landscape for writing in television. But before our interview, let's get to our week, or what we like to call Adventures in
1: Screenwriting.
0: Lorian, how was your
1: week? You can start.
0: My week
1: was... Was a little derailed by family stuff this week uh, but I did have I found the pockets of time and what I'm currently dealing with in my script uh, is this sort of balance between exposition and the beginning and emotional character work so like the balance of like a character story and and how much exposition do I need to do in the teaser right it's a 30 minute pilot so like what actually needs to be in it to keep the viewer the reader wanting to read the next five pages you know the next 10 pages so that's tricky cuz i like to go full just emotion character rah, right the rage the pain all of it but then it's like but wait i actually need to weave some facts in there and how to do that naturally and in dialogue that doesn't feel like hey so it's been 5 years since i've seen you you know that that kind of stuff so um it's a uh, I can do it, I, I you could do it, I can do it. I'm, but it's uh, it's sort of gnawing at me. So I, I needed to just go take a walk this morning because I was getting very distracted by all the shoulds. This should happen here, this needs to happen here. And then all the notes I'm getting and I'm feeling a little over noted. And so then I just had to be like, but what is it I'm trying to get the reader to feel? and being connected to and meg you're such a great voice for me you know obviously we talk about this every week but one of my text meltdowns yesterday was like i don't know what i'm supposed to do and meg's like focus on the emotion focus on the character want that kind of stuff so meg you always help ground me i'm so thankful for you oh
0: well and- please we have these texts like <laughs> <laughs> an hour. marty
2: how is your week oh god <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. I mean, like uh, Lorian, I, uh, like, as, uh, you know, as the world sort of ramps into, you know, a different phase, um, uh, you know, there's more logistics. Like, like I I don't know how much you guys have talked about this, but as hard as quarantine and lockdown and all that stuff has been, there was a simplicity to it. You know, there was a, there was a, and and frankly, you know, um, I've dealt for the first time really in a really long time with feeling kind of blocked. Um, there are a lot of feelings I don't want to feel, thank you very much. Um, you know, we had a, a pretty rough year in addition to the pandemic. Um, a lot of stuff that was very painful um, decided to happen and and in quick succession. And so the truth is like, I would much rather do anything else right now than deal with my fucking feelings. Feelings Uh, are super gross. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I did, however, I have talked about noted. I've been working on the same project for the same, uh, streaming service that rhymes with Palex um, for, uh, two plus years. Um, and, uh, and actually, did crack a new version that they sent me to script on. Um, <laughs> uh, Congratulations! I know, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, so I've been trying to steal time to work on that outline, and um, literally, it's just been, you know, that TV training of like, take that if you've got an hour, take that hour, um, and do as much as you can, and um, and then you know things just explode again in your face and then you get back to it as soon as you can. And I, I'm, I'm, so I've, I've been doing the work of reassuring myself that someday I won't hate feeling my feelings as much. And someday um, I will actually be writing a script and someday um, that will feel good. <laughs> I will, I will re- also assure you that that is absolutely going to happen. Oh, thank That's you. Really I could use some answer. reassurance. If I burst into tears at any time during this uh, um, podcast, you just, you know, just go with me because, you know, it'll be good material. <laughs> All right, we'll go with you.
0: And I'm available for text um, uh, reassurance at any time, as Lori knows, night or day.
2: You can always text oh, me. I'll just text I, I back I that can, assurance I can, and I it'll work out. Text reassurance. Yeah, it's um, it's a scary thing when writing isn't fun. Um, and for me, writing has almost always getting into it has been fun and oh, man, this last year I've had to work really hard for the fun mm. <laughs> Had to work really hard for the fun. Um, oh, I, I, am sure I'm not alone in that. How about you, Meg? How was your week? Uh, I'm, you're not alone in that. My week, um,
0: I'm still doing the same thing I was doing last week, iterating <laughs> the same place. Uh, so many iterations of this, I can't even tell you. Um, But what I wanted to bring up because I thought it's interesting what I discovered in doing these iterations is that um, last week Andrew Stanton talked about um, find your lane and he talked about make me care. Mm. And I'm so I'm really taking that to heart in terms of this place that I'm in and I'm realizing oh but that also is a plot element to that because your lane is your character and their emotion and why we care about them and it's also what's the game. It's the, is the phrase that's in my head right now. Like, what game am I setting up? Um, you know, if I was writing a TV show, I think, and Marty, you can tell me the game would have to be the show, but it's also the game of the pilot and the game of the relationship and that it can't be, so complex that I can't get the game, like part of the, and I'm writing, a, am writing a feature. So it's, I will talk to you, the expert about television, but for the feature, I really have to set up the game and you got to set it up pretty quick because people don't have very much attention spans anymore. It's not like when we first came to Hollywood back in the buggy whip days, and you had a good 30, 35 pages to set up the game no longer. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really, I just wanted to share with you guys if that phrase helps you like, what is the game of the movie? What is the game of this relationship, what is the game of this scene, right? Mm. Like that is kind of been helping me kind of break out of the ice that kind of started to solidify around this and I couldn't iterate it again. Mm. Um, and the other thing is um, Lauren's been helping me uh, with the, my, our text chain in terms of my passion project mm. because I have this passion project that's been sitting and waiting for me for so long. And mm. I think it started to kind of pull me down uh, and to pull my creativity down because I love what I'm working on. Don't get me wrong. I'm actually, ha- I'm actually for a change, having fun. Usually I'm the one like <laughs> in the lava, but I'm actually having fun iterating. But still there was something, I just was down on myself. Mm. And um, Lauren, it just, Lauren was so great. She was like, let's just have a phone call and talk about it for one hour, whatever. By the way, I haven't even looked at it in so long. Part of the hour was, what the hell is this? What am I doing? And just yeah. having her ask questions, it helps bring it back alive. I don't have time to do it, but that's okay. It just made me know it's alive, it's there, it's waiting for me. <laughs> it's okay. So that was my week. Um, but but I would love to get, you know, let's get on to the juicy parts here. This is we we have Marty Knox in our presence. We need to talk to her. <laughs> um so I just by the just because I brought it up, do you find that the phrase the game, what's the game of this? Do you does that? Have any relevance in television? Like, what's the game of the
2: of the of the show? That's, I mean, absolutely. Like, I, I don't know that I think of it that way. I might now. Um, it's funny though. It, it's it's true. And it, you know, I I never experienced. I mean, I guess the only time in features I experienced like somebody saying to me like, "Don't set up the game so fast," was probably on Fright Night, um, where Mike De was like. I'm a real believer in the first act, like let 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 these characters like let let people fall in love with these characters. Um, so I just want to reflect back to you, at least in my experience of writing movies, right. it had it, it. If it's 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 probably gotten worse because I haven't written. I mean, I wrote a movie a couple. <sighs> it doesn't matter. I've been, I you know, it, it's all kind of blending together too in a weird way, like movies, television. They're all you know ones ones a big story in in you know 90 to 120 pages and one's a big story and god who knows how many but um but yeah the game you know I think how I think of that is like what's um what are the conflicting wants of these characters and how are they all you know trying to get to their desired outcome right everybody has different you know it's rare that you have a I mean, maybe if you're writing like Apollo 16, like, oh, we're going to get to the fucking moon, we're going to get back. Like everybody's on the same team with what the game is, right? Um, but, uh, but you know, certainly in the kind of complex stuff that you guys write, and and that is complex, it's a complex story, you know, getting to the moon and back, but but what you throw at that is complications, right? You throw emotions and complications, um, but, you know, a lot of the stuff that that we write, I think has characters who want different things. You know, they're, all, they're, right. they're not necessarily dedicated to the same plan. So the game is, I'm trying to get this, you're trying to stop me from getting this, you know. Um, so that's interesting, it, it does resonate, yeah.
0: That's cool, that's cool.
1: Can you talk about, so, you know, in TV there's a lot of buzzwords and things that people talk about. Can you talk about what a story engine is?
0: <laughs> for a it's pilot from
1: in the pilot for it's the so show, for the show. Gonna, it's an easy one thrown right out there up front <laughs> just,
0: yeah let's just start
2: let's with talk the about story, engine. story <laughs> engine um i mean boy it's just one of those like it feels like that's one that is kind of a uh an always moving target in a way like the um it feels like in the low these many years i've been doing it um I think the simplest answer is a reassurance that there's gonna be enough story and where that story is coming from. Um, So for instance, like the thing that I'm working on right now is a supernatural, you know, sort of soapy um, period set, you know, women forward drama. Um, dramedy or whatever. I've
1: already subscribed to whatever it, it is that you're <laughs> well, they, doing. I, I love yeah, it. I'm in. <laughs> I <can>. I'm in. That's <laughs> um, enough
2: for me. <laughs> yeah um, and it, based on a book um, you know that I read low now it feels like many years ago um, that just you know was very rooted in history and so the supernatural element was really it um, felt very. It felt as grounded as it could feel, and she also cracked a, 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 an essential thing for any story, which is the sort of why now of it. Um, so in that one, the the story engine feels pretty. You know, it's pretty easy to articulate. Like, um, you know, these are women under siege because they are witches. Of course, they're witches, um, and um, and a bunch of different people have different um, agendas. So you're like magic, the battle between good and evil, more magic, sex, you know, like being female in the 1920s, like ad infinitum, you know, Um, so that's not been the, the, the problem, you know, knowing that there's an engine, it's more the, you know, boy, there's a, I always joke that the, you know, that at, at these streaming services, you know, there's a computer that they refer to like Cal, who's constantly spitting out information about what works and what doesn't work for their audience, um, and how their viewers are viewing. I mean, now they have so much more information than they did back in the day, you know, um, which in some ways can be really helpful in other ways, just makes them, cr- everybody crazier because right. the computer right. can change its mind at any moment. And it probably does. <laughs> oh my God. So you're not even writing to an audience, you're writing to to how? To an algorithm. You know, like they have the algorithms of of viewership and how people are watching. And, you know, they can um, jump out at the six minute mark if you don't grab them by then. They can jump out after one episode. They can jump out after two. Um, So, you know, that same pressure that I used to feel writing for network television of like grab them by the fucking neck, explain everything. So it's super clear um, that, you know, what the buy-in is, what the show is, what the engine is, like all of that has to, so the kind of elegance that I tend to enjoy in other, you know, like the days of sort of Mad Men and, uh, you know, let somebody walk into a room and sigh. Like, I, I think I'll have to write for a while. I'll have to get a series really on the ground before we can have you know, Peggy walking into an empty office and just thinking. <laughs> right,
0: right. Holy smokes! Because and they do feel much more networking now. I have to say, I, I that in terms of what they want and the kinds of shows they want, it, it they they're they're turning into kind of international networks. Is what it seems like from the from the peanut gallery here and the as a writer, it does seem like that. What um, when you say buy in, tell me what that is.
2: I think the buy in for me is uh, I love these characters. Um, I see myself in them to enough of a degree that I want to go on this journey with them. You know, the buy-in, you know, you hope that that they've already bought into, oh, I want to watch a show like this, just by clicking on it. Because in this world, now they've probably seen, you know, a trailer, you know, cause it plays automatically whether you want it to or not, you know, they, they probably have some, um, you know, that enough awareness of the premise that they're like, okay, I, I know I want to see a show about this, but to me, the buy-in is all about the characters. It's like, oh, I love, I, you know, and, and the buy-in is about the production design and, and the, um, you know, the sumptuousness, you know, um, I feel like, you know, like Bridgerton, I think is a great example of a show that, you know, you don't exactly know what you're going to see but pretty soon you're like oh my god i mean at least for me i was just i just want to look at these people <laughs> in these clothes and these colors you know like it you know just speaking for myself it was far less important um at first whether i cared about the story or not i was just like huh ah, this is so pretty and these people are so pretty and they're so, you know, they're- It just, did
0: a good, it did a good job too of studying relationship really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Right, Like I like these people together. Like I was just watching a show that will remain nameless because I was like, oh, I like that. Let me try it. And we're like five minutes in and there's no relationships happening. And I'm just like, okay, I, I might be out because there's nothing happening between people. You know what I mean? It's all this kind of separate, they're setting everybody up. And I'm like, I don't know what what's who. what's this relationship. So I do think- for me, personally, I buy into relationship. Like, oh, I want to see those two people together. I want to see what happens there, or, or whatever. So the other thing that a lot of our listeners want to um, learn about is running the, the TV writer's room, right? And you know how that how that works. How do you run a room? Um, you know, all the way from an emerging writer who's sitting there who just got on for their first show and gets to toss out an idea. Up to the pros working like how how do you interact with those writers what do our writers need to be thinking about if they're going to go into a room or that's their goal
2: um that's a great question i mean i mean to me there are a couple of things like over the years i i've become less and less enamored with the idea of like the longer you sit there the better the ideas get (laughs) You know, when I first started, it was sort of like, you know, spending all day in the room, you know, just sort of humping the same problem and hoping for different results. <laughs> um, and then having a showrunner come in and be like, mm, blech, you know? Um, I mean, first of all, that's just so disheartening. It discourages every writer always. Um, I, I do... Um, so I, I tend to try to work more efficiently now. And that's also a facet of being a mom and being, a you know, actually liking to go home. And I'm sure you've heard these things a million times, but, um, you know, uh, I think it was Weiner who said to me, um, you know, if if a showrunner has a ton of pictures of his family, like run, because it means he never sees them. <laughs> <laughs> or she, or, or they, um, but um, that was a funny take on, on you know, um, uh, you know, an old adage, which was always like, you know, make sure they like their family because it's true. Like the more pictures, the, the, you you might think, Oh my God, they love their family. But the reality is no, they just, just don't remember what they look like. So, um, (laughs) very bliner esque uh, but,
0: um, If you've got a new writer sitting there in your room, what is your expectation of them? Do you want them to be pitching a lot? Do you want them listening? How do you want them acclimating to your show? What's the, like when you've had a new writer, when you're like, that's great. I like, I like how you're kind of coming in here.
2: It's a really delicate balance, right? Um, Because someone who's entirely, you know, there's all that advice about like, just lay back and, you know, read the room and, um, and, and then at a certain point, if someone's not contributing, you're like, hmm, are you are you, you know, it takes a while to understand how a writer thinks. And one of the ways you learn how a writer thinks is, you know, they they are willing to stick their neck out there and contribute ideas. For me, one of the jobs I have as a showrunner is to create a safe place to to you know, say things that I don't agree with. And also to let them know like, look, especially early in a show, I'm probably not gonna agree with a ton. Like I can be persuaded, but I've also have this like, you know, the showrunner's job that first season is so, you're so meticulous about crafting stuff. And um, and I think I'm open, I'm definitely open to push back and new ideas and that can really move stuff. but but you please don't get discouraged if none of your ideas make it to the page season one, right? Like, because it is, it is that job that I'm, you know, ultimately the buck stop of me, right? So they're not going to say like, did you take that idea from that staff writer <laughs> that we don't like, you know, and, um, you can't, you know. I, I would never throw anybody under the bus. It's like me, right? Um, you're the guy that has to talk to the computer later about, you know, why you made the choices you made. So, so I think creating a really safe place for people, if you if you are a, a showrunner, is so important, you know. And I always say to people, um, sometimes I forget to compliment or say that I'm happy with your work, and um, I need you to assume that everything's great. Um, right. Because I promise you, if I have a problem, I will talk to you. Um, but otherwise, everything's great. Because I remember like showrunners walking past me and just not saying anything. And I mean, talk about like, you spend a whole weekend going down the rabbit hole. You know, um, you know it's that same advice of like, it's also not about you all the time. And I think when you're new, you're just like, <laughs> you're vibrating with so much fear. And, you know, um, and so I always try to sort of lay out like, Sometimes I'm just in my head. I don't even know you're there. You know, like, so please don't take... Yeah, yeah, the showrunners got a lot on their mind.
0: Yeah, the showrunners got a lot on their mind. Jeff, you had a great question from our viewers. Jump in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is connected to newer writers, you know, looking for staffing. And, you know, you staffed shows, you've read probably thousands of samples. Um, What are some top reasons that you stop and toss aside a script you're reading and what are some top reasons that you feel totally compelled to keep reading and possibly staff a writer?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I think there are a couple things that, I mean, I feel like when I feel like I've seen the show many times um, and there's nothing about this approach that Tells me pretty quickly that it's going to have a a, a new enough angle that I'll want to uh, I'll want to keep reading. You know, if it's a cop procedural, just let me know in the first five pages why why this is going to be a little bit different than other cop procedurals. It doesn't have to be a whole scene. It doesn't. It could just be the character. You know, it could just be that this character. I always joke that you know. Um, a great main character is a is a character who's fully committed to a terrible plan mm.
1: that's really good
2: <laughs> i love that deeply yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good at um, so you know whatever that plan is if we the audience are like whoosh that is not gonna work but that person is like dead set on like this is how this is what the game is and i'm gonna win it and you're like that's a that's a tough needle to thread, you know, then you're on board because you're like, either they're going to win and that's going to really, they're going to defy the odds or all the bad things that I think are about to befall them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Commence, you know. So uh, that's one thing I look for is just uh, that feeling of premise and a sort of unexpected quality to that premise. And then the second thing I look for, obviously, is voice, you know, just um, that that character, you know, that that writer isn't cobbling together the voices of other writers. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, for a while I felt like everybody was trying to do Sorkin you know, that was a while ago, but, um, you know, and then everybody was trying to, you know, sort of whatever the flavor of the week is, you know, people are sort of trying that voice on and, um, and, it's so important for writers to discover their own their own voice. It's such a hard journey too. You know, it's, it's an easy thing for us, you know, who've been doing it for a while to say, but um, that, is the, that is the work, right? That's the real work. Is, yeah,
0: that's the real work. And, you know, young writers often say to us, um, well, should I be doing a spec pilot or should I be doing another show, an episode of an existing show? Um, do you care what, what you're reading in terms of what you prefer, or like what what should their resume, what should, what script should they have, and you know, should it be diverse, or should they really be kind of narrowing in on a tone that they're really good at?
2: Um, in terms of st- yeah, no, um, I, yeah, no, no, yeah, um, to what you said, <laughs> they um, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I'm just saying, like for me, it can be a play. Um, I've certainly hired a lot of um, more over the last few years, but I've hired a lot of playwrights Um, just because you can tell they can write, you know, you're just like, wow, they took that. There was a play I read um, a while ago that was two guys talking about, you know, kind of like two guys in an, an apartment and the stakes were kind of one of the characters sobriety. Um, of course, that's something I relate to because I'm, you know, a, a recovering, um, you know, trash can. Um, <laughs> um, you know, whatever you, whatever you've got, uh, I'll take it if it helps you not have those feelings. We go back to the beginning, um, but um, so the, but the, the way it played out with these, and there was a third character who came in at a certain point, but I was just like, wow, the mastery of that premise, you know. Right. So this person can write. Um, And that was enough for me. Um, I do think, you know, if you just love, if what you wanna write is supernatural stories about um, monks in France, you know, if you just love period or you love, like definitely play in that space, um, you know because we absolutely will say during staffing, like, okay, we've got, we've got a person who appears to be really good at structure. We have a person who appears to be really good at, you know, or someone I've worked with before. So I'm like, I know what they're good at. Um, and then you're like, ugh, we need someone who really does supernatural, like who will understand the rules and, you know, we'll, will say like, we need to fill this slot for this particular thing um, or someone who just can do laugh out loud, funny, um, you know, if it's a more comedic thing. So, um, so I do think like lean into your strengths for sure. And the show you want, the kind of show you want to be on, or the kind of you know movie you want to write. Um, I don't know if if movie hiring people will read television, um, but they should because the two really talk to each other now. You know? No, they do. I got
0: Captain Marvel off a of pilot spec pilot, so I think they yeah. do. I think they're looking for the same thing. Like, is this writer the writer that we need? right? And they're hoping that you can do the basics, right? Of the craft.
1: I have another question to add on to the staffing piece of it. And when you're casting your room of writers, if you're, if you have a show, that's a one hour drama, are you only going to read one hour dramas? Are you going to read, I mean, you said you read plays. Are you also going to read half hour sitcoms? Like what, when people are like identifying what they want to talk to their reps or connect with people to be put up for I mean, how should they approach we,
2: we may be different at um at tiny pyro um uh, my company we may be different um in that if it you know and I have the benefit of having a wonderful executive Maria Grasso who I've worked with for quite a few years now who who understands my taste and um and she'll you know she reads a ton and she will hand me things that go like, it's half hour, but I think you should read this, you know, and I'll be like, done, you know, <laughs> like, um, so, you know, um, it doesn't really matter if it, if it applies. Um, but I do think that we can be different in that respect. Like um, I, I, I think some places get a little more linear, you know, and your agents are probably quite linear about like, we send this for this and we send this for that. And um right. One of the benefits of the um, writers' action um, with agencies was that, you know, we started casting a wider net for for material and um, and you know address you know like met people we might never have met and and you know people kept saying like this is so bad for writers and I was like I don't know if it is like um I think there are parts of it that were really bad for writers and we're all grateful that it's come to a conclusion but there was there was a lot of good in that we definitely you know met some fresh voices.
0: Marty when you're deciding to do a project either IP um or your own original idea can you talk about both why you're choosing that and to saying, okay, this is the one I'm going to put, you know, all this time now and effort, you know, when you start how much effort it's going to take, What does that story concept or IP need to have? And then kind of, what do you do? Do you start with character? Do you start with kind of the game? Like what's your process to, to finding the show?
2: It's, um, it's a little bit of both, but I would say I'd probably start with character because, because the game, in a weird way, the game is the easier part, right? Um, the game is fungible. The game can change, you know, especially from working on television for so long and you know, writing a bunch of movies. You know, the, the game is the thing that, that has a lot of elasticity. Um, and, and like you were saying, May, like you're iterating on something and you know that there's more than one answer to that question. Right. Um, and that, and, and, you know, I think a trap we can get into is like, there's only one good answer to that question. Sometimes the problem is you're asking the wrong question. You know, sometimes you have to back out and go <laughs> and like, what was I, um, you know, I had this moment when I was writing Fright Night just because it might help people. And I was trying to figure out a. I didn't want the mom in Fright Night to be dumb. You know, like in the original, the mom was just this silly character who had a crush on the Chris Rand. You know, I can't. and I think she let Chris Rand in the house because he was like handsome, you know? And I was like, I don't want my mom, you know, if I can do anything in this, you know, sort of retro horror movie, I want the women to be awesome, you know? So I'm like, mom's not, not trusting her kid, mom's not. So if I don't let the mom let, you know, because it was a scene from the original movie, like, If I don't let the mom let him in, how the hell does he get in? Because I have this rule. And I sat there for probably two days thinking of different things. And then I was like, what if he doesn't get in? What if he flushes them out? What if there's no house? So I changed the scene to be Colin Farrell. (laughs) Who I would let in, <laughs> no matter what. It doesn't matter. No matter uh, how smart you are. <laughs> no, come on in. Don't get this. I'm showing you my neck. Um, oh my gosh. That accent, I mean, uh, forget it. Um, but but um, yeah, and in real life, just as charming. You're just like, oh, oh my God. Um, but, um, you know, he finds the gas pipe to the house. And puts a match to it, and blows up the house, and they have to run out, you know. And um, I remember that moment, and I always come back to it when I'm just stuck on something, because I'm like, there's a different, there's a different way to skin this cat. Like, change the question, change the question. Um, so to me, story can, you know, as long as your intention with it, you know what the nugget of it is, you know, you know what what thematically the story has to do and where you're trying to get with it, the story, you know, it it lives, it changes, it's, um, but the character- How do you know- Sorry.
0: How do you know when a nugget, be that the character or the theme is enough for a show, right? That that's gonna be enough for three seasons, five seasons, that nugget is enough for
2: a show. That's a good question. you know, I think that's very personal. It's like, does it resonate? Um, does it feel both super specific and super global, meaning very specific to me in a way that I know I can write the hell out of it, um, you know, that that I care enough, you know, to to go on this journey. And then um you know like you were saying like about your personal project Meg like you just need to know that it's still alive you know um and that you still love it and then you can say you know goodbye I'm putting you to bed for a while till I get back here you know um you know I'm working on one of those right now and literally it's just fits and starts you know um, <sighs> um <laughs> you know that one's <laughs> super painful of course you know I'm just like here are my guts so it's- something we something we
1: say on the show is things usually work out for you. <laughs> so, so we
0: just, say to each other at our text yes, rants as so well, Marty, just remember, Marty, things, things tend to work out.
2: Yeah. They usually uh-huh. work out for you. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 you sure have. And, and sometimes when you're in fear, you just forget that you're just like, well, all evidence to the contrary, my entire life up to this moment, um, I, it turns out I'm not capable and I can't do anything good. So <laughs> then you have to go call your therapist or your yes. best friend or get on the text chain yes. but um, but I do think it's a, a combination of of something that resonates with me and then recognizing that it has the qualities that will resonate with with a much broader audience right um where you go I'm not the only one who wants to see um you know, like in the case of the movie I'm writing right now, wants to see a, a, a really damaged girl who wishes for someone to take care of her and then Mary Poppins shows up, but she's an evil ghost. <laughs> yep. I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Like Mary Poppins, but an evil, evil ghost who is also super nurturing and really does want the best for this damaged little girl. Um, but has a very weird way of going about it. Um, feels unique, but also kind of universal. You know, why did Mary? Why it's did Mary poppin?
3: Yeah.
0: It also starts popping with ideas
2: yeah. of scenes. You know, it it starts to pop. It starts
0: to be like if you you pitch that very quickly, and it's like, oh, we could do that, and she could do that. Like the scenes just start popping, right? Yeah. Where sometimes people pitch you things, and you're like. I don't have any scenes. Nothing comes into my head. Like I, and I can't even tell you why that engine doesn't work or whatever word you want to use for it. Yeah. But the scenes don't just start popping. Yeah. So you're not quite there yet, but that popped. Yeah. <laughs> right? And the way you pitched it too, starting with the little girl
1: and what she wanted Yeah, then, you know, and it feels very specific, but also like, yeah, that, that feels like being mothered or not being mothered. You know, like, and I think so many of us <laughs> can relate to that. And that's so great about the specific to that character, but then the universality of it. Yeah, um, yeah so no, I, fair I mean, enough. that's a question I'm very interested in. You hear a lot of writers talk about like, I don't want to tell talk about my idea because someone's going to steal it, yeah. right? And then the answer is usually it's always in the execution. Yes. But I wonder yeah. from your experience, how true
2: that is. Um... Well first I'll say um a- absolutely it's in the execution um uh and, and we're also nervous today we're having a nervous day me and the dog um uh I call it I call it tiny fist days when I'm just like just <laughs> 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 um, it's a visual people um, it's good it's good uh, but um Yes, absolutely. It's the execution. And and the other thing about like, and it's coming from a deeply personal place. So it's something I kind of lived and it's a, it's a you know, like for instance, in that case, like it's a story I've been trying to crack for years. We had a ghost in the house I grew up in who we called Bertha. Um, and I was also, you know, very lonely and very scared. So, um, you know, how do I you know for years I've been how do I write a, a, a haunted house story that feels really personal and, and because I love those movies you know I'm, I'm I've been I talk about Ari Aster way too much um, you know and his obsession with naked old people I mean it's really something he's really afraid of naked old people um, and um, but I think that you know, the permission he's been given to, or given himself to just like play with genre and play with tone. And, you know, he made a Bergman horror movie basically, (laughs) you know, like Midsummer is, you know, the most Scandinavian terrifying thing I've ever seen, you know, Um, so I I think that execution is so much of it. Um, And, but then the truth is there are also ideas that are sort of in the zeitgeist kind of depends on what your goal is. Like this, that's why it's my passion project. I'm trying to write art, an art horror movie. I'm trying to write my, you know, another favorite movie of mine is The Others. And I'm right. like, how did they do that? How did they do that? And the execution, because now that I'm directing too, I'm like, how do you do that? You know, like, how do you how do you make that really chilling but also really universal? Like that that movie, I think, such an incredible example of like forgiveness and, and mothers, you know, going through this, you know, the horrible experience of not connecting to your children or madness and all things that I really relate to um, just because of my upbringing and having a mom who struggled with mental health issues and, but it's just beautiful. You know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. So, and beautifully executed. So I think um. You know, if that's your goal, um, then the more personal and the more well executed. But if your goal is to, like, you know, for a while everybody was riding speed, but on a, you know, on a tricycle, (laughs) speed, right? (laughs) But on a, you know, try on a, on a, on a, on a a segue, you know? (laughs) Um, So um, maybe there's a version where, it's less about the execution, but you just had an idea that is so of the moment that you better like get it out. I just haven't ever had that kind of idea. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet, right? Um, Can happen. I'm working all- really
1: hard on my cynicism at large. So I'm trying to be very positive. That's why I'm throwing <laughs> out all these positive things oh, today.
2: I like it. I like <laughs>
3: I was going to say, I don't know if it's going
1: to work because I'm a cynic.
2: (laughs) Probably not. No. Yeah, Yeah. it's trash.
3: (laughs) I, for one, can't wait to watch your like artfully made female driven horror movie. Just know that I'm like first in line as someone who loves your work. Um, But, you know, we were talking about Meg specifically mentioned, like, how we know if an idea is good enough to build out a show with multiple seasons. And it kind of leads me to the question of when we're building our spec pilot and we have something we love and you know, we want to like create a Bible or a pitch deck or a one sheet or a treatment. Like, I feel like we keep hearing different things we need to accompany the pilot from different people. Like Uh, a 10 page Bible is fine. Give me an 80 page map of the show. Like a a treatment without photos is what we need. So like just in your experience, Hmm. what do you like to accompany the spec pilot when you're like sussing out ideas? I mean, I both guess, ends, you know, as someone who gets material I, and someone who goes out with material.
2: I mean, I've, you know, like I've pitched obviously, you know, full um, full blown, like this is the universe. This is the, you know, like with this witches project, you know, the first time I went and I took in like a boom box and I tried to play music and it didn't work and it was super janky and it was super embarrassing. But, but the, and I had visuals and I was like, you know, cause I was also thinking from my, you know, my burgeoning director head and, um, and that pitch went amazing and they bought it and it was great. And then, you know, here I am two and a half years later or two something years later, still, you know, still talking about those fucking witches. Um, but so I, I, but I, you know, so there's, there's the problem you're, bumping up against is everybody wants something different um, i i don't believe in giving me giving myself you know giving other people too much information because it's gonna change you know that's television it's just a living thing it just you know it's not a movie where you go this could obviously have a sequel but this is how this ends you know you're you're like this is how i think the first season could end you know um, but you also know in your heart of hearts, like it could also go in a completely different direction. You just want to reassure them that you have a plan. Um, so to me, like writing an 80 pager is ridiculous because it's not real. It's a fiction, you know, <laughs> it's, right. it's like this fiction you're selling, um, you know, you, you know um, to your audience, you know, whoever's buying it. So for me, like an, an elegant, shorter, like I know where this goes, here's my, slightly more complete idea of season one. Here's my my notions, um, or or idea, you know, like a little bit more for season two. And then from then on it's like, and then maybe that happens. And maybe, you know, so I don't I, I don't understand people who want tons and tons of this is where the show goes because it it is in denial of the process. Mm. Yeah, it's well When you're doing it for yourself to know that
0: you have a show or yeah. to even create that pilot, you know, I'm very used to features. So some, you know, in features act three is act one. So you really don't know act one until you've written act three. Like, so just get to the act three people, because you don't, you can rewrite act one till the cows come home, but yeah. what's act three and now go backwards. Is it, is there any of that in a TV show where you really, are breaking a season to learn about your character and where they're going? Or do you just kind of write a pilot and know I've got enough of a show here that that will come? Do you do any of that work for yourself, whether you're telling them or not?
2: Oh yeah. No, for me, I have to have a pretty good idea. Like, you know, I, you know, in my, and so, you know, in, in, many cases I have a very explicit idea about what happens at the end um, of season one. Um, And I try not to get too attached to that because it can, it can, change and it, it most likely will i mean one of the things about doing television is you're constantly moving stuff around you know like the big board it's one nice thing about um working from a book because you're kind of like we were all from the beginning like on shared projects you're like we're all in agreement that it ends here <laughs> how exactly we reveal things like the the you know that was a complicated thing to break um only because there was a beloved novel and i i felt strongly that there needed to be, um, you know, that the information needed to come out in slightly different ways and that, you know, that certain characters needed to feel more suspicious or less suspicious or, you know, um, so uh, in order to make it a true mystery, you know, we had to sort of divorce ourselves from the book a, a bit, but we all had an agreement, like there was a, an agreement, um, but in, you know, in a series that's intended to really be ongoing although I will say Gillian and I did have an idea for for more but um, alas it was not meant to be but um, uh, you know you you you're just constantly in many cases you're moving events forward because many times the the um, the place you're making it for wants more it's interesting it's a constantly moving target they want Sometimes it feels like they want more car flips, like more incident. And then they'll come back and be like, actually everybody wants to slow down right now. And you're like, oh God. <laughs> like, um, it feels like we're moving a, a bit back toward a little bit more um, event and less um, pensive character-y. It feels like we're moving back, like the pendulum is swinging a little bit back to the kind of like bang, 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 shorter scenes. More stuff happening, but not frantic. You don't want to be frantic. Um, so uh, um, yeah, it's it's so I know, I do know that's a really long answer to that question. I do know where I want it to go, but I also have to stay really open. And and the, and so much of your job selling something is is reassuring the person you're selling to that you really know what you're doing. It's a it's sort of a um, it's a it's just you're, you know what you're doing, and you're also open to collaboration.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's that hard, like, I got this, but I'm also really, you know, I'm really groovy with taking notes.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: I'm, when you talk about they, you're talking about
1: the network or the executives the buyers, that are working yeah. with the buyers, right? So when, you're, when you've sold a show, you're in the writer's room, and you have an idea of where you want season one to go to, what is the breaking of the season look like with your writer's room? And are you thinking about seasons two and three too as you're breaking season one?
2: Less now than I ever used to be um, in terms of like season, seasons two and three, because I, I'm so aware that you can't get invested in that yet. Um, it may be a different, um, it may be a different um, story if you're working on something that's based on fact or you know somebody's true life or but I mean why go there? <laughs> you don't even you know uh, again unlike a feature like act three you all you have to hold on to is the emotional truth of what you're you're aiming toward. like let's go back to our you know characters really really committed to really bad plans like, you know, I could say what I want at the end of season one is for these two incredibly bonded characters to be torn apart, you know, and one then in season two has to go in search of the other, like, and that's all I need to know, like how we get there, Um, you know, and even then again, you could be like, you know, maybe as you get into it, you're like, maybe, it would be better if it was this person who goes, goes a missing, you know? But in terms of
0: pitching and creating your show, you do have those big chunks. Like you're like, you know, this could happen and that could happen. It shows that the show has legs that the show has a lot of iteration that it can start moving through because they can be torn apart. And then he has to find her and then they get torn apart again and she's got to find him. And neither the problem is they can't live in either buddy's world or whatever. I'm just saying like, I can, it's so funny. I can hear your brain doing it even as you're going, but maybe, but I'm like, but your brain, is literally starting to chunk it out yes. just intuitively like you intuitively just start going there. Um, I wanted to ask a question because I know we have limited time and I want to get it in there. Um, I have a young I have a friend who's a writer and she happens to have rights that everybody wants to a, a real life and this will go to everybody. you know when you're a young emerging writer I mean you don't have tons of credits and but you might have a show that people actually want suddenly right and they start saying to you well we'll put you with a we'll put you with the showrunner. Right? Um, that's kind of every emerging writer's dream, right? To to be put with a showrunner and they get to be the creator. Yeah. And I just want you to talk through the reality of that and what they need to watch out for. Like, you know, I just said, listen, I don't know anything about it but don't let them make you a consulting producer because I don't know if that's real at all. Like meaning in terms of the language of, I don't even know if that's the title, meaning you have, we'll ask you your opinion. <laughs> there, there's no legal <laughs> teeth there. Um, can you talk about that and what you've seen or I don't maybe you haven't experienced this at all but um because kind of what's the reality of that
2: um it's really precarious for the for the for the new writer it's a very precarious place to be because if what they're really coming for you uh, coming at you for is the IP that you are very dispensable um and and a, and a certain kind of showrunner is really just not interested in what you have to say about it. Um, so, you know, if I was talking to a person like that, I would be like, and if it's really timely, like one of the things we, we I talk a lot about with people, like I, I helped uh, a mutual friend of ours produce a documentary that became Code Black, which then became a show on CBS. And when we sold, when we got in business with, you know, CBS and, and, um, the people who were, who were executing it, I was like, we have to let go of our version of this show. We are giving that up in, 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 um, in exchange for this deal and the surety that it'll probably get on the air. Like this is a really, um, accomplished showrunner. This is a network that does lots of you know, uh, medical shows. Um, but we can't go in and insist that this is our version of it. We were imagining one thing that was much darker and grittier. So sometimes you just go, I need that check, or I really want that check. Um, and you go, I let go. Um, I'm letting if the... you've written the pilot and they like
0: the pilot and it, it, it is imp- more important to you, the creative than say the check. Yeah. Is there anything you can do to protect yourself? In I'm obviously meet the showrunner before you sign on and make sure at least they're saying yeah. the right things. Yeah. You know, right? I mean, you never know. Yeah. Right. Is yeah. there anything that you could you would say to be careful of or or watch out for if you really do want to stay involved creatively?
2: Um, yeah, I, I I would say like not only meet the showrunner, but if you can do as much homework on that person as possible, get as much information about, about what their past experiences on shows have been like, whether they are collaborative, whether they, um, you know, do, do your homework to the very best of your ability. Cause your agents will tell you whatever they, you know, I fucking love my agents. I love, you know, I, I, I uh, I've worked with the same feature agent for many years and, um, and, you know, they've done very well by me the whole place, but, um, But, but I never believe um, I I never take what they're saying at face value when it comes to making the deal, you know, I really have to like second guess or, and, and if I don't like, you know, then joke's on me. So I would say um, you got to do your own homework about who you're getting into a relationship with. And and because it is a relationship and it is a, it is a, it is like a marriage and you want to make as, as. You don't want to make an impulsive decision based on like, that felt good. That person's going to take really good care of me. Or promises so, that are made. Yeah. 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 Because those are, those are, those are very hard to keep when as a show you're under an enormous amount of pressure to deliver. It's very hard to keep those promises. Like it's, it's much easier to just go, I'll do it myself.
0: <laughs> go away. Right. right. That's so that's good insight. So Marty, I know, you know we, that you've got so many other things to do and we're so thankful for you to be here. We do finish up with three questions we like to ask everybody. This is just our kind of fun little, you know, actor studio questions. They're not hard, don't worry. Um, so uh, Lauren will go first. What pisses you off about writing?
1: <sighs> if you could, listeners, you could if you could see Marty, she just collapsed backwards over her chair and almost out of frame.
3: <laughs> that was the pensive sigh. that's no longer okay for tv anymore but i loved it i got so much subtext with that sigh.
2: i know that's the other thing about writing is you always want to say to um you want to say to to people who are reading your scripts like but they'll act that like You know, I don't really need to write it because the actor is going to act that, but trust me. And they'll be like, "Mm, no, it should be in the script. And then you're just like, all right, I'll write the line. We'll take it out later, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because they don't believe me that a good actor will be able to act that. Um, What is it that I love about writing? What pisses you off about writing? I I see you avoiding the question. I mean, right (laughs) now, what pisses me off is that uh, I have um, oh, I mean, I'm gonna try not to cry I have an enormous amount of grief that I'm processing from the last year or so um, and and you know as you all know life keeps happening <laughs> so not fully mm-hmm. having processed some of the grief um, uh, you know we lost three people in my family the first was a, a total accident um, and a shocking surprise you know my 19 year old nephew had a ski accident and died on new year's eve 2019 and then um, i'm so sorry marty yeah still working on that one um i I can skip the other two even though they were both really intense (laughs) but um but what's going on now is my son who is almost 19 is leaving for college soon and Mm. i am trying not to turn that into a catastrophe yeah and right. letting him out of my sight um, is very painful. Um, so the writing that used to be, you know, I just have to write my way through it. you know I kept thinking, I keep thinking yeah. of that Hamilton line. I wrote my way out. And this extraordinarily painful year for so many of us um, has had many gifts too, but um, it pisses me off that, um, that I'm a human being and that I have to have feelings and that my best way of getting through it is fucking writing because I'd much rather um, uh, take a magical pill and not have to do the hard work of living so <laughs> in a nutshell Fair enough. if I could have your Fair whole res- enough. if I could have your whole response on a t-shirt like
1: front <laughs> back around the bottom I'd wear it every day <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. but we have another. We have a good question to follow up with that. carrot is running. I was one for the Zoom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just so beautifully said, though. Thank you for sharing. And I guess the flip side um, would be that the question of what brings you the most joy in writing.
2: What? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's so funny because I used to be that. I, I. I mean, and I will be again. I know. You know. Um, That person who just annoyed the fuck out of everybody because i was just like writing is just my happy place it's where i go to escape and you know (sighs) Um, (laughs) um, but the joy i mean when i do when i when i when i fall into the world and when those people are talking to me and they're telling me what's going to happen next like when i finally when i when i finally cracked for myself writing movies, it's when I fully signed on to the journey and the characters started telling me what was going to happen.
3: Mm.
2: And I'd be like, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's such a beautiful experience. And it's so, it's play, it's play. It's just been really hard to get there, but it is, it's just, it's the fucking best. You make these imaginary worlds and, and you know, um, and, and they tell you stories that heal you. Yeah you know fuck (laughs) okay
0: okay our last question because that was beautiful let's yes beautiful our last question is if you could be remembered for one scene you wrote what would it be
2: oh fudge I don't know I'm not going to curse what's
0: the favorite yeah you could curse away Uh, you know know, what's your favorite scene that you've
2: written oh god um I mean, there's, <laughs> there's so many y'all, um, no, but like, um, just meaning like, I've been so fortunate, you know, to have had so many, um, you know, to have written so many scenes, you know, um, but, you know, I the show Dietland, you know, was, was this like, Powell, you know, of, of, anger and frustration and and love and um and joy nash you know it's on hulu y'all if you if you feel like you know really engaging in something weird
3: um our audience loves that show by the way we had a ton of fans specifically want to make sure they asked about it so i'm glad you're sharing about
2: it yeah oh good because it is um you know we we like we pulled an amazing review, like a second look from Emily Nussbaum um, in the New Yorker, like the day we were canceled. (laughs) It was just like, you know, and she got that it was messy in parts, but that, um, so, I mean, I kind of want to say like, um, you know, just writing Joy Nash, there's a scene early on where, you know, she's just talking to, she's sort of talking to, she's writing her um, on her computer and there's this moment where she just sort of hits a, a crescendo of what she's saying and she just looks up from the computer and like makes direct eye contact, like breaks that fourth wall. And, um, you know, that's I, I, a favorite just because I fell in love with Plum, that character. And, and then I fell in love with the actress and I want her to be in everything I ever do ever. <laughs> I love that. Right. Thank you, Marty, so
0: much. Thank you for showing up and being so authentic and giving, um, with all of your incredible insights and your bravery and your fun <laughs> and your fun, Yeah. Uh, it was really, it was amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you very much. I'm going to have to have a go. I'm going to have a good cry when we
1: wrap. <laughs> um, so, so thank you for that. Cause I obviously need it. Um, yes. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't yet join our Facebook group and email us at the screenwritinglife at com for any questions you might have. And drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us keep going. And remember you are not alone and keep writing.
3: Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.